Hey folks, if you like listening to Stumble Through, there's now a way you can support the show. Click the link in the show notes to make a once-off donation through the ACAST supporter feature. There's no ongoing commitment and you can give as little or as much as you'd like. I love making the podcast and I'd like to keep making it. So even if it's just the price of a coffee, every little bit helps. Thanks so much. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiya! Paula here, popping in to let you know that in exactly one month, Laura will be performing in Melbourne in a show called The Pageant at Comedy Republic. The show is two nights only on the 27th and 28th of August. It stars Laura Trinari, who you'll get to know in this episode, and Patrick Dwyer. And it's about the beauty pageant to end all beauty pageants and all of the drama and fun and chaos that goes with it. Laura is a highly skilled performer and an all-round lovely human being, so I'm really grateful that I got to have this chat with her. Here's the podcast. Book your tickets for the pageant while you listen. Unless you're driving, then pull over. I acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. I pay my respects to them and their cultures and to elders both past and present. Do you find the time when you can't find pause or confirmation what your face is gonna open some doors? You do what you gotta do, stumble through. Hello folks and welcome to Stumble Through, the podcast for young Australian adults trying to figure shit out. I'm your host, Paula Arujo. I'm a writer, theatre creator and marketer. I am a short, round-faced white woman with huge black headphones on and I'm wearing a pair of my favourite jeans. Um, they are my favourite purely because of the brand. Uh, it's Outland Denim and yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited about their my brand story, but I won't take up too much time with that because this week we are talking about having a career in sketch comedy slash physical comedy with the inimitable Laura Trinari from the Traveling Sisters. Hey, Laura, how are you going? Hi, Paula. I'm good. How are you? I am all right. Thank you. Um, how would you like to describe yourself for the lovely guests? And can you tell us a bit, a little bit about yourself in case people are unfamiliar with your work? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Um, so my name is Laura Trinari. I'm currently in Nam in Melbourne on Wurundjeri country. Um, I am a short white woman. I have brown bangs um, and my head's tied back in a low bun. And today I'm wearing a white jumper and a long grey soft dress um, and some big glasses as well. Um, yeah, so I'm a theatre maker, a comedian, performer, and I am one third of the Travelling Sisters. So we would describe ourselves as a physical character comedy trio. And we're originally from Brisbane, but we've been here in Melbourne for the last couple of years. That's great. I also just wanted to chime in and say, really love your glasses. Is that like a, <laughs> a tortoiseshell texture? It's like my favourite. Yeah, I got them in London like 10 years ago and they were oh. so cheap and I just keep waiting for them to break, but they just won't. They just keep going. They're the gift yeah. that keeps on giving. <laughs> they are. So I guess 
character comedy trio. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, sure. Yeah. What What do you think kind of defines that versus like physical comedy or like sketch comedy? Because it sounds like quite a not a niche necessarily, but it's quite distinct from those two art forms, as it were. It is, yeah. And I mean, there's definitely a lot of crossover. Uh, we make sketch comedy, but we also make narrative, um, more theatre-based comedy. Um, and we are very physical. I suppose with comedy as well, it's often looking for a definition that is opposite to stand-up mm. when you say you're a comedian. Um, but with our kind of character comedy, it's all very physical uh, and we really like to create characters from costume. So I guess that, you know, we kind of like making things that are a little bit absurd and that have a lot of play within them. And I suppose we're inspired by character comedians such as like Kath and Kim and the Mighty Boosh as well, just to give a little bit of sort of context on the sort of worlds that we're coming from. Oh, I recently just finished watching Kath and Kim. As a non-Australian, I came from Joburg, so... I only got on like the Kath and Kim train recently and then I binged all of it and now I've got two words for you, Laura. Fabulous. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so, since it came to Netflix, I've just been rejoicing mm. at all of the people who wouldn't yet have seen it when it came out in the early 2000s on ABC or whatever it was. My yeah, friend, that's awesome. <laughs> my, my friend in New York, she's got a VPN and I was like, you have to watch Kath and Kim because yeah. Sharon Streslecki will make you laugh like no other person, like Magda Zabansky, my God, yeah, the woman. Just- I know, she's what we all need this year. She especially. is. Oh, yeah. man. But anyway, I totally missed out the first question, which is, have you stumbled through anything this week? Have I stumbled through anything this week? Yes, I did sort of stumble through some brambly bushes. <laughs> <because> I, <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> I, yeah, I live near the creek, um, the Mary Creek, and I was kind of trying to take a shortcut and it was a bit slippery and so it was kind of like, you know, when you have to put your hands mm. on the ground to kind of, yeah, yeah, so I sort of Takes stumbled through kid, really. mud. I know. <laughs> yeah, I do it quite often. I'm not too good at, uh, I don't know, balancing, walking up muddy hills. I think you're just really like in touch with your inner child and you don't yes. do that thing where you're like, no, I will try and be an adult and I won't use my hands to catch myself when I fall. Have you no. noticed that like after the age of like 12 or something, we have this thing at hu- as human beings where we start like trying not to put our arms out to catch ourselves because it looks ungainly if we suddenly can just pick ourselves up halfway through. I know. I just can't not. I feel like I, yeah, I definitely crawl mm. up hills quite regularly. <laughs> it's a full body experience, right? It really is. <laughs> Put your hands in the mud. <laughs> Excellent. Mm, exfoliating. It's good for you, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know about particular mud, but maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's bespoke mud from Nam and Melbourne and it's got That's right. properties. Yeah, it's definitely got some kind of properties. Some kind of properties. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess first question that I've got for you is in terms of character work and how you guys approach that. Obviously you're the other two parts of your lovely trio are um L Sachs and Lucy Fox. How do you guys start? Does it start with a costume or does it sometimes start with an idea? 
Yeah, definitely both. I would say more often it starts from a costume. So we really like to just find wigs in like op shops and online and random places. And we like to bring in a lot of costumes as well when we're in creative development. So we do really like working from the physical, so from whatever we're wearing, and then that will sort of influence the form the character that starts to come out of that. But then, yeah, other times it's just like, oh, you know, it would be really fun to be three well we did with that with the web series got our web series is called meet the mullets and quite a few years ago when we lived in london i think we were a bit homesick and we were like how funny would it be if we were all men who wore <laughs> mullets and so then we ordered and some drank forex slash vb and, depending on the state <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah so it, it either comes from an idea or a costume and then we just like play and play and improvise to to generate the content It sounds a bit, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds a little bit like you guys have got this amazing dress-up box that you guys can just go to and it's literally like having your friends over on a good afternoon and you're just like, this is going to be so much fun. (laughs) Yeah, that's how we started because my mom has a really big costume collection. Um, So it, you know, who knows what our style would have been like if that sort of wasn't the case because we started creating shows together in my parents' basement in Brisbane Um, and my mum is like a big Halloween fan and just and we also I used I grew up on top of a drama studio when I was a kid so we inherited a lot of the costumes from there as well so yeah it so was meant really, to be oh my yeah, gosh I was like hey, Lucy you should come over and play dress ups in my mum dad's basement now we've finished uni what else are we gonna do a legitimate <laughs> thing for an acting person to say that like legitimate things that you can say as an actor that are non-creepy hey come and play dress up in my parents basement so many (laughs) the story of my life (laughs) oh my gosh I had no idea that that's like kind of how things started and I mean about the drama studio I guess it was it one of those things do you think where you were growing up and it was like either I joined them or I am driven insane by constant games of zoom that I can hear but not participate in (laughs) Yeah, I think I was about seven and I think I was pretty keen. So my mum went downstairs and she was like, hey, can uh, my mum's a hairdresser? And she asked, Beres Turner, if I cut your hair, will you give my children drama lessons? (laughs) Yeah. And so then I was just there every day. They could not get rid of me. I was obsessed. (laughs) I mean, look at the beautiful stuff that's come from it now. Now they can boast... You know, Laura, she she loved above me. I don't know what. Sorry, was it Beres? <laughs> yeah, Beres. Yeah, Bar- she was I just one she had. one woman, and she just ran this whole. It was absolute chaos. There would just be children everywhere. Takes a strong every woman. single afternoon. Yeah, be <laughs> running free. Oh, and she gave us so much junk food as well, which you know was great at the time. Oh, so great. But like hats off to Beres for being game enough to take on just crowds, hordes even, of small children and then giving them junk food. Like I know. Like, mm, no, <laughs> I, know. I would have tapped out long ago. Nuh-uh. <laughs> I know. And her and I had the same birthday as well, so she kind of became just like my drama, my drama grandma. Oh, that's so beautiful. Do you still yeah. keep in touch? She's actually in a dementia home. Oh, um, so gosh. I see so her sometimes when I come to Brisbane mm. and she, like, does ballet and... Oh. 
and stuff still, but yeah. 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 Well, I mean, segueing seamlessly into the next question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm so good at connecting dots. <laughs> How do you fund your creative projects? Because as much as I would love to believe that there's just a, a big dress-up box in the sky that comes down and visits everyone, it is expensive to exist and then make art from that. It is. It is. We fund our creative projects from our creative projects. So it would be the simplest answer to that question. So that has always been our main priority after doing a show is to make sure that we have some money in our kitty um, to be able to put towards the next project. And at the beginning, you know, we just put in a little bit each, the absolute bare minimum. But yeah, we just sort of, a big part of what we do is working with the restrictions that we have and the financial is always part of that. So that's definitely informed our style and what we make as well, you know, like we, yeah. you know, I'll go on stage with a three dollar op shop wig on because, you know, that's what I found in my mum's basement. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I, I haven't ever seen a movie that the producer have been like, There is no budget, just do what you want. Like from from little dollars, big laughs grow. Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I guess when you were starting out you talked about how you guys would chip in like the bare minimum just to have that kitty so you could create things so that you could like get the wigs. Can you tell us a little bit about how you were able to transition from having survival jobs? I'm taking a, a wild assumption here and thinking that you guys like had survival jobs, put some money into the kitty to create things. And then at some point you guys were able to like stop having those so that you could just concentrate on it full time no you just went straight in <laughs> oh my no. gosh oh no as in oh. <laughs> so we are still we're still in that zone mm. of survival jobs and you know doing whatever we have to do it's very hard to make a full-time living from what we do especially because there's three of us mm, absolutely so yeah and especially it's you know the Australian climate of oh, artist sure. support and all that kind of stuff mm. and touring is very expensive yeah so yeah so it is it's we've been together for about seven years but it's still just sort of an ongoing thing because mm. by the time you pay directors producers venues yeah marketing all that stuff it's um yeah it goes pretty quickly. Yeah, it does. I think that you're definitely not alone in that circumstance. I mean, heck, I'm in it. But I think that so many more people than we expect are doing that. I've been listening to Do Go On with Jess Perkins, Matt Stewart and Dave Warnicky. They're Melbourne-based. Yeah. Do you happen to know them seeing as they are um, they're stand-up comedians so they're different? <laughs> I don't. I don't. Jess Perkins is on Triple J. Mm, yeah. And yeah, uh, she, no. she was on the podcast and then I've kind of, because I've been listening backwards, it's like taking a journey backwards through time. And I'm like, oh, so this is still a thing that is happening. Like she's doing she's touring as a stand-up comedian she's got her survival job at triple j and perhaps something else i'm not sure as well as doing these podcasts so i think that it takes a real amount of grit and guts to keep making things how do you guys i suppose keep doing that like because it gets hard when you have to yeah. 
put off your survival job and go, actually, no, um, I can't take those shifts or I can't work for this amount of time because I'm touring and doing this cool stuff, but also then going, cool, and we have broken even. Just. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah. And because it's that thing of like, you know, I want to make money from my art so that I can keep doing mm. my art all the time, you know, but I also don't want to have this pressure on what I make needing oh, to be yeah. profitable all the time. And because it's such an experimental space and it just it just takes a really long time. You know, I think in the entertainment industry in general, but especially, you know, because we're sort of more on the alternative side of comedy in terms of the and in Australia, Australian I mean, like, scene. Yeah. Let's not sugarcoat it. it I, I was actually yeah. literally in this chair talking to some accountants last night and I was saying, hey, did you guys know that in the financial year 2016 to 2017, the arts and entertainment industry in Australia made only 3% less GDP than mining? And it's just like the mind boggles. We make so much money in terms of like profit, but like, do we see much of it? I know it's oh. weird. There's a lot, there's a lot of problems with it and there's mm. a lot that really needs to change. Um, but in terms of keeping going, I think one of the most important things is that, and that we, you know, it's just always been for us. It's mm. just, you, you just have to keep, you have to make the work that you want to make. Yeah. You can't start getting in this headspace of like, oh, I've got to make work to make money. I mean, you know, getting mm. like a good marketing person or producer on board can be really helpful to try and sell the thing that you're mm. making. But yeah, I think it's just like, we just keep chasing the type of stuff that we want to make. We wanted to make a full length theatre show instead of a sketch show, for example, at the end of last year. So we were just like, mm. let's just do it, you know? Yeah. Maybe it'll sell, maybe it won't. And it's just like keep keep tapping away at it and performing for the people who who come. Yeah. And and every year, you know, those audiences get bigger and the word gets around, but it's definitely not always a quick process. For sure. But it also really helps to like I sort of would say that most of my income personally comes from like teaching workshops. Mm. And so producing it's still other people's shows as well. Yeah. And so I think that's a really good thing is if you do have multiple skills um, and you're willing to learn them and to kind of, you know, dabble Leverage in other areas. Business yeah. Because yeah. then you meet, you meet people and you're still kind of Absolutely. in the biz. Yeah. It sounds like some of that, the, the motivation and like the, the energy and the heart to keep going, even though like it is really tough out there, comes from the fact that you are only doing the work that you want to do. So like you said before, you're not making work so that it makes money. You're making work because that's the thing that you want to make. And that means, I guess, like no, no matter how it is received, you guys have still made something and you've had fun. And I mean, there's always a part in every creative project that I've done anyway that I'm like, well, I hate all of this, but tomorrow I'll feel differently. And then you come back to it and you love it some more. <laughs> totally, totally. And and like doing it for the people who love it as well, you know, even if it's an audience of five people. <laughs> like, I've never seen that. I've been to a couple of your shows and I've never seen five people. I've seen 50. No, I've seen not more than 50. But... In Brisbane, <laughs> Brisbane. Shows are always packed, but we've definitely, you know, we've been to Edinburgh Fringe a few times. And but Edinburgh Fringe is Adelaide a tough gig, Fringe. man, particularly if you don't get, yeah. like, in the in the hub. Last year I had the lovely 
Kristen Maloney, and she was talking about how touring a show, particularly when it comes to a theatre festival or, or any kind of festival that you don't have to submit or compete to get into, like it's free for all, it's, yeah, it's free if you can pay to get in. Like you, anyone can be a part of Edinburgh Fringe, but yeah. it takes a significant amount of money to make sure you're on the main strip. And even then, like, uh, and that's not to say that there is no prestige involved with Edinburgh Fringe. Like, it is a big deal to go. It is a big deal to get any awards, which I believe um, the Scotsman gave you some lovely, lovely reviews for Edinburgh. And didn't you yeah. get a, a didn't you get a nomination or at least like an honourable mention? Or am I mm, imagining not things? in Edinburgh? I don't think so. Was that they, maybe some media maybe stuff. Melbourne? A bit. Yeah, we've got some. We've got a few things in Melbourne. Mm. Actually, you your sketch on the that you guys did for the Melbourne Comedy Fest uh, came on when my dad was just watching just for laughs once, and I walked past and I was like, "Is that Lauren?" Oh, really? That's cool. That lollipop lady one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah, definitely one of your your more famous ones, I believe. I will oh, yes. link link it below. <laughs> What, what was her name? What what were their names rather? The lollipop ladies. Mm. Their names are Maxine, Pam, and Fawn. It's a great <laughs> sketch, and I highly, highly recommend that you guys go and watch it right now. But yeah, I guess that that's like part of the the joy comes from the fact that you guys can just make whatever you want, and you're not beholden to anyone else. How do you find the funny though? Like when you when you're touring the same show every night, sometimes twice a day how many what's the like highest number of performances that you've done in a day oh like two full shows in Mm. a day is the max but pretty intense definitely yeah intense we've definitely done like two shows in a day and then some gigs or sometimes in edinburgh you'll do your show and then you might go and do like four or five gigs in the same night so you're just like literally running around oh so you'll just do like a spot at a cabaret night or something so maybe like 15 minute spot and those gigs vary from you often don't know what you're turning up doing you're like cool there's two people here okay great let's go to the next one oh, okay there's 300 people here great okay let's go to the next one um yeah it's absolute chaos mm, that that's a lot oh yeah. but yes finding the funny yeah like how how do you keep keep doing the show but still finding because I suppose that's one of the many tricky things in comedy and one of the things which requires so much skill on the performer's part is that you have to believe it and find the joy every time because you can't half-ass comedy because people can tell. Yeah. So a lot of our, so a lot of our work is clown-based. So we, it's, yeah, it's all about finding the joy. It's all about finding the pleasure and playing with your scene partner and the audience so it's really that thing of before a show, just getting into that mind frame where your goal for the for the show is to play and explore. And also boring, but sleeping, <laughs> eating well, moving your body also really help to find the joy. Funny uh, that. Especially <laughs> if you, you know, in Edinburgh one year, our show was at 11 p.m. Oh. And, you know, like some nights we will... Yeah. Had a late night and then it gets to 11 o'clock the next day and you're like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I have to do a show now. So sleeping is is good. But, yeah, just really aiming to play and just trusting the material as well. 
is really important, you know, not trying to get too heady about whether it's funny or whether this audience will think it's funny and Mm. all of that stuff. Just like get out of your head, play with your scene partner and yeah, just keep trying to find stuff. I guess that that's one of the benefits of being able to, I'm sure that there are like, you know, benefits to every kind of situation when it comes to like comedy groups versus like solo acts, but you guys get to help each other. And, you know, if you can see that your scene partner's struggling, then you can like, and you guys have worked together for so long, like I'm sure that you've got this rapport and you can kind of get into a rhythm a little bit easier. Um, Yes, no, is it new and adventurous every time? (laughs) Oh, we definitely have a pretty pretty good rhythm from working with each other and really good complicity because we've just been working on it for so many years and it's definitely something that is not only when we're on stage now, you know, it's just mm. like, oh, I'll stop reading my thoughts. Ah, <laughs> um, oh, my God. You... <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and also, but I, and I guess, you know, it's but for solo performers, they have the audience, and I feel like if you're a solo performer, then the audience, like, is your scene partner and that's the relationship that you want to be playing with as well. Yeah. You said complicite and I automatically had a flashback to Q138 and Scott Alderdice <laughs> going, complicite, complicite. <laughs> that's actually a French word for complicity. What does um, complicity mean? Because I thought that complicit. I think it means the same thing. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> just, just throw words. It's fine. Just, yeah. compl- say it with a French accent and it's believable. yeah but yeah complicite that real connection Mm. the vibe yeah the vibe it's it's the vibe it's It's um, just the vibe i don't think i I don't know the vibe (laughs) (laughs) sorry can you repeat that what I don't know. I don't know what I said. Oh, okay. It was funny and I talked over you, so I stepped on ah. your, your punchline. Real sorry about nah, that. That's all right. Yeah. It happens. Well, <laughs> see, the complicity wasn't there for that. I, I needed to, like, get into the, the zone more. I'm sorry. I'm, I let you it's down. very there. hard to have complicity on Zoom. <laughs> really oh, my is. God. As you would be able it. to say firsthand. So going in to meet the mullets, like, how did you guys do that? Because you did, but... You didn't because you shot it really cleverly, but at the same time, like, what? Please explain. Yes. So meet the mullets. So we had the idea. So Melbourne Comedy Festival got cancelled in March along with everything else. And then the city of Melbourne were doing a few short, quick response COVID-19 arts grants. So we had this idea. We were like, you know, what if... So the characters in our our live show, The Eyelust, was where three blokes amateur thespians and we also play all of their mums and so we just kind of had this idea in the you know freak out of what does it mean now that our whole lives are cancelled we're like oh what if we made a web series with them but I don't know I guess we'd have to just like film it ourselves at home and like make it on zoom but I don't know like we'll just like <laughs> and then we got the grant we're like oh god oh god <laughs> what does that oh. actually look like well, we have the money and now we can <laughs> yeah. have to do the thing <laughs> oh crap Oh God. So we spent like a week on Zoom and that was just like, like just ideas, 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 scenarios. And it was pretty fun because we had to work with the restrictions of our houses. Mm. So we knew that we had to film everything in our own houses in case it was still locked down or because this is during the first severe lockdown. So we were like, okay, well, we won't be able to be in the scenes together. It'll just have to be like the mum and the son in the same scene. And then let's rope in housemates and partners as well. 
So that's kind of, you know, the restrictive premises that we started working with. And then we were really lucky because there was that little break in Melbourne. I think it was like six weeks where we could go to other people's houses and that kind of thing. So everybody came over to my house and we basically taught ourselves how to create our own version of a writer's room. Mm. And we wrote it in, I think, about two weeks. Oh, wow. And then we had one week of filming. And so that was with Gemma Cotta, who is our amazing, she directed it. She was the director of photography and she edited it. She's incredible, but we were so lucky that we did not, in fact, have to film it ourselves. She was able to come to our houses to do it. And so we could also be each other's crew and we were each other's caterers and we were each other's body doubles. So there are (laughs) scenes where we're like, you know, I'm playing both characters, but... Mm. You have to have someone wearing a wig to hold the yeah, spot one of so the girls that it's continuity. The wig. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so that's sort of like the general gist of how mm. we made it. It sounds like mm. something that you guys do is you start not just with, you know, character and idea and concept fun, but also boundaries. Like you, you can start with costume, but it sounds like taking into consideration that the boundaries that you have, not just financial, but like in this case, the world – uh, <laughs> it's, it's part of both the challenge and the fun and the, the joy that you guys create in your work. Yeah, definitely. And because yeah, I feel like it can be really helpful because when you go to create something, like you can literally create anything. It's yeah, like it's we could have is- any characters in any scenario. And this concept was just like, oh, yeah, the boys and the mums in lockdown. So it's like anything can happen but I mean so much of the gold because then the characters that we wrote the characters around our housemates and partners so Mm. it all it all just informed the final product and it was really funny kind of like (laughs) writing for them as well being like okay okay like Lucy your partner Lewis he's gonna be Roseanne's like new husband who just wears a tiny little bathrobe and really pisses Daryl off (laughs) (laughs) and has some um, some ointment (laughs) yes ointment yes (laughs) sucked in Lewis (laughs) I don't know why that's fine I I don't know why I think it's one-liners that get me every time like sucked in Lewis and how's the weather in Paris (laughs) you definitely have to watch the series to understand that yeah um pause here yeah and watch the series (laughs) then come back to me and laugh with me thank you Yeah, and it was so much fun writing for each other's characters as well because Mm. that's not something we do so much in live work because it all comes from our own improvisation. But because we've been working with these characters for a couple of years, it was so much fun to sort of get in this zone where we still, like, improvise, but we would kind of be improvising as each other as well. Oh, that sounds Um, so Yeah, and because we're so used to working visually with our bodies but this was different, something that really helped us get around that was... We drew every single idea that we had, whether it was a full scene or just an image. Like, I think it'd be funny if, you know, this person was, I don't know, had some potato people in an oven or something. Oh, um, what's what's Elle's Elle's character's dad? Tony. Tony. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was like, oh, my God, Elle, you have that old beaten down chicken coop full of sticks and milk crates. Like... (laughs) Draw Tony sitting in the chicken coop. <laughs> so, yeah, we just drew everything and literally putting it all together was like making the world's biggest storyboard all mm. over the floor so we could really 
see it, which mm. I think kind of got us out of our heads as well. That's really cool. That, like it wasn't just the boundaries that informed your work, but the the boundaries informed the way that you created it, which meant that you created something totally well not like totally different but it, it's taken a, a different flavor to yeah. the things that I've seen you do previously and it's very different and yeah. very different than writing for the stage absolutely very and, different oh look at Cause sorry my brain is still just like mm. yeah I know because <laughs> you're like oh okay people might stop watching after five seconds like they don't generally do that in the theater they usually give you more than five seconds before they I mean like they might check out but mind. they're still stuck there <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly and if they walk out then you you know then you mm-hmm. see it and then you can um, make a you can go oh near the bathroom cool that's that's fine yeah, so it was quite weird, right? You know, it's like anybody can see it and also people have limited attention spans. Mm. Like, of course they do. I'm the worst. Oh, so it's dear. like, okay, I've got to try and make it interesting so that I would keep watching it mm. after watching it for <laughs> But that's so hard because it's it's your own work and because you already know so much about it that it's so – I think that's one of the really challenging things when you create like a film – or, or something that um, isn't live is that you can't rely on the energy and the relationship between you and the audience. You have to like be really analytical about it to a certain extent. But you guys did totally. great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And because you have to like, the exposition is a big one as well. Mm. I think that's one of the biggest things we learned. It's like, if you just load up the first minute with like, this is this character and they, this is their backstory. Mm. And so then that is why they will be doing this. Here. You know, <laughs> you got like five minutes max to mm. get, especially cause we were like, yeah, we'll just have seven main characters. Yeah. It'll be fine. Um, <laughs> so that was interesting. It's like, you know, what's the funniest thing to show what we need to show mm. and what's the most like visually interesting as well. Yeah. Well, I think you guys definitely did a great job because my my ADD brain was still watching to the end and I only double screened twice. So, this is <laughs> <laughs> the, did, did you want me to write that down as a review? You yeah, can put that absolutely. on a poster if you'd like. ADD brain only double screened twice. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. That's very nice. Yeah. Oh, I mean, thank you for making it. It was a, a real joy to have something that was really like relevant but still funny but it didn't hurt to you know know that it was COVID because I'm very much over the yes okay I understand escapism please yeah totally when you were making it like we talked a little bit about like the things that you learned and the way that your process changed and how you had to really adapt not just your process but the actual creation of the thing and then the way that you guys related to each other during it but was there anything else that you learned during the making of Meet the Mullets? Oh gosh so many things I think the main things we've probably touched on already yeah I guess it was just really interesting to have to create our own you know version of a writer's room I feel like whenever we think of people writing a tv show we think about everybody as in like Elle Lucy and I and Kimberly who is our collaborator oh yeah Kimberly you know, it's, it's like, she's yeah Kimberly, yeah she's amazing she was like massive she's oh. hugely integral in the creation and writing of this of this series like she Quicken. is the, yeah quick interjection Kimberly and her housemates are they still doing slash in a month will they still be doing that beautiful dancing on their front lawn 
for yeah, passers-by. I, I went and watched them today. Elle's in it as well. So oh Elle gosh. and Kimberly live together. Oh, that's right. Because um, Kimberly's totally, yeah. I was like, I recognise her. Yeah, yeah. So they, every afternoon from like 4 to 5.30 in for the last few weeks, they dance on their front lawn. And I was very lucky today because Wednesdays they are the, I think they're called the front street boys or front yard boys or something. They dress up in 90s <laughs> band clothes. And As yeah, they just back dance. Street, front yard. <laughs> exactly. But yes, they are still doing it. Sometimes I go and dance across the road from them. Um, it's yeah, it's joy. really nice. I, I wish more people were dancing in their front yards because there's just really nothing going on. Well, I <laughs> so challenge really everyone listening who <laughs> is in Melbourne. You know what? I challenge you if you are listening to dance in your front yard, whether you are in Melbourne or not, but especially if yes. you're in Melbourne. <laughs> oh, and they also made an incredible show. I'm not sure if you've seen it called The Wholesome Hour. No. Which it's like a kid's half an hour show. They did at the La Mama Theatre, but all the sketches are on YouTube. But it's it's equally as hilarious for adults. It's it's so wonderful. Definitely oh, watch it. So Sorry, stupid. getting back to so Kimberly was definitely like a, a core element in terms of you guys creating. Sorry for that tangent. I was just like, oh my gosh, no. Kimberly's doing another cool yes. thing. Good tangent. Yes. So learning things. Yeah. So, you know, my lounge room is tiny. So we kind of the four of us like, okay, we've got two weeks to write this thing. We've never written a thing for film. And we don't like just thinking words in our brains, you know, like we really (laughs) were body people. And so when we'd get really stuck in things of like, oh, but how we show this, how are we going to like Kimberly was Mm. just always like, she was always like, draw it. And she was always like, what's the funniest thing? What's the funniest mm-hmm. thing? What would be funny if they did that? Not even if it doesn't right now tell the story or get mm-hmm. to the next bit. So that was really helpful. Yeah, I guess you have to be even more like everyone has to kill their darlings, but it sounds like you had to <gasps> be even more ruthless in this oh particular gosh. project. We had to kill so many like oh. so many of those, so many of those little pictures didn't make it in. Oh. It's it was a Just really a interesting, because <laughs> we were like it has to be you know five minute max, mm. five minutes max the episode, which is even kind of long for today's internet yeah. standards. Is it fifteen seconds on TikTok? I don't want it. Yeah, <laughs> so that that was hard. That's something I you know it's always hard in theater as well. Mm. But being like that is a really great idea, and then also even some things on a shooting day, it's like oh, you know. God. We wrote that we would do this montage, but we didn't really, really plan what that would actually oh look like. Oh, and, and montages take so long to film. Because <laughs> you yeah. generally like, so episode three is all montages. And we're like, should we flush that out a bit? Okay, yep, great, good idea. <laughs> good idea. You know, it's like, oh, we'll just, I don't know. But we also wanted to leave room to improvise on yeah. set because that's so that's much that's what fun. you do and that's yeah. like that's so much I think a part of the the work that you guys create comes from complicity and being in the moment and doing that improv like I, I don't know I just feel like if it was fully scripted it, it, it wouldn't be traveling sisters or is that blasphemous <laughs> to say no, not at all. No, we improvise. Yeah, our shows have always, we've never really written a script. We only started writing scripts when, you know, when we had to for Auslan mm. interpreters and that kind of thing. But we don't ever work from a script. We just improvise, improvise, improvise and film ourselves improvising, which we also never used to do. I don't mm. know why. 
because then we would forget everything that we mm. did. Because you become self-conscious you... <laughs> with the camera sometimes. I think so, yeah. but it, you just have to forget it's yeah. there. And then if you, you know, just watch it back and you'd be surprised at mm. what you don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds simple, but it took a few years to figure um, that out. It's, it's so simple you forget it, right? Like Yes. <laughs> okay, so just to make sure that I'm making the most of your time, Laura, did you want to go through this last question here, which was what's a school you didn't realize would be crucial in your line of work, or did you want to skip straight to the things I've never said segment and then we can wrap this up so you don't have to stay up too late past nine? Never mind. I'll just, I mean, I'll answer that very quickly. The first mm. thing that comes to mind is marketing uh, and pro- self-promotion, which mm. includes a lot of social media. Even if, you know, when we got a producer who she's amazing, amazing, Laura Milky Garner, I was like, yay, we have a producer. We don't have to do that stuff anymore. And she was like, you have to do it more you because you're going to be working even harder <laughs> because, you know, because I'm going to crack plans. the wind. Yeah. And you have to do the things, you know, you have to put out the funny content mm. and the blur and the blur. The ancillary that. stuff takes up almost as much, sometimes, sometimes more in terms of having to manufacture the motivation than actually making the work. More. Like it's. It, it's the marketing and the ancillary content and all the stuff that like you put everywhere and then reaching out and going, hey, can you do this thing and we'll do a cross promo or hey, could we do totally. this thing? Could we spot? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's a- and it's very different from doing the thing on the stage. You oh, know, yeah. it's a whole other thing. So yeah, probably that. And because I mean, with selling tickets to shows and getting people to know about you, you need it. If mm. there's another way, then please uh please write in email me yeah yeah do it tell us that would be great (laughs) if if there's a way to advertise theater you know what advertise like creative work that doesn't require actual advertising let us know I know, I know. Well dancing in your front lawn is a good that's still advertising though. That's PR. (laughs) That's that Well it's the same thing yeah PR marketing. It's yeah it's PR but it's and a live insta okay there's t- there's too many crossovers there my brain is imploding <laughs> what are the questions from the people oh yes now now it's time from the things i've never said segment where we accept anonymous submissions and confessions from our listeners on the topic we discuss sir so we have two beautiful submissions first submission is how do you generate ideas how do we generate ideas? I feel like we have touched on this mm. a little bit with, you know, it, a lot of it's inspiration from mm. costume, from wigs. We're just so obsessed with yeah. wigs. So that's a big one. But just uh, everyday life, everything, we, a lot of our ideas come from just sitting around talking shit together. <laughs> you know, they often come when we're not working. Mm. Not working, um, but you still have to work so you can like, kind of have in the back of your head oh yes that would work yeah and yeah often it's like an image like I think we just had this image once of a cactus tap dancing (laughs) and so then Lucy made a costume she made a gigantic cactus she got out her tap shoes and then we you Mm -hmm. know then through improvisation and all of that it became the thing so yeah just from from everywhere we have this idea that we still haven't done yet but like from a Centrelink person that oh, yes. we all encountered and we were just like, when, when, when day, one day, one he, day. he'll, he'll be, you. he'll be in it. He'll be, he's just <laughs> such a character. 
but only he could play him. So we'll see with that one. I think that <laughs> you guys yeah. would make a valiant attempt, though. I, I believe in you. Yeah, I think we, I think we would. As well. yeah. <laughs> That's all I was saying. That I was like, nah, it'll end up. We'll play him. You'll do it. You'll do we'll it. Do it. <laughs> I guess it sounds like that's kind of where you guys go when you get stuck for ideas as well. Like you you go back to just kind of playing, having fun, kind of relaxing. And maybe that goes back to your philosophy of making sure you're making work that you actually want to make as opposed to making work that sells. Yeah, so, totally. Yeah. And, and saying yes to ideas and giving them a good go, you know, because not everything necessarily sounds great Mm. I think that's the thing with ideas you know not don't spend too much time being like I just don't know if a tap dancing cactus is really gonna be you know it's just (laughs) like I mean yeah yeah, to make the costume and that Mm. for that one but you know just really giving things a go when they come up as well and yeah just kind of running with it and sometimes it doesn't go anywhere and then sometimes it becomes like the funnest thing you've ever made yeah it's almost like you have to like stand the idea up and see if it has legs. And if it can hold its own, then it's good. And if it can't, well, that's fine. That's a darling that you yeah. don't feel bad about killing. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then the final submission that we've got, it's two parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first part is, what's the worst show you've ever done together? The worst show. Hmm. It's okay. <laughs> Ellen and Lucy won't listen to this. You can back <laughs> No, I'm just like, oh, God, which, which one do I choose? <laughs> the worst show. We did once do a show to nobody, but that was pretty fun. So I wouldn't say that's the worst. We just did this show in Adelaide once, and I think it was like, it's like the third night or something. It was a really new show. And everything, like from, there are just some shows that you walk out on stage and you look at the audience and I don't know what it is, but it's like, you don't like this already. (laughs) You even open your mouth and then you just have to be like, no, no, come on. That's just my ego, like whatever, it's okay, just play. And this show, it was just like nobody laughed for pretty much the entire hour. And we were really trying out some new stuff as well. So oh, that's always that's way more vulnerable than, you know, if you have a bit of a dodgy show, but you're like, well, that show, you know, we've done it a it million times. It stands up somewhere else. It's fine. People love it and whatever. It's like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> that, yeah, that one was pretty bad. And then I'm pretty sure that one, there was a reviewer in as well, which. Oh, no, that's the worst. always know and we don't tell Lucy, so she never knows, but mm. we know. And, yeah, and then at the end I was like, that was a reviewer. And it was definitely the worst review that we've ever. Oh, delightful. Well, you know what? That's that's on me because I definitely was at that show and I just, like, let out a big old fart beforehand. So, sorry, guys. That was you me. Wasn't they didn't like, mm, yeah, okay. You nope. caught me. There were only, like, trying. ten people there and you were not one of them. I that's because I them. left because I <laughs> wanted to uh, commit the deed and then walk away. <laughs> oh man there's just nothing like being on stage and you know you're trying to play you're Mm. trying to but your brain is just like yeah you're dying and you're out of here (laughs) i don't want to be here everybody (laughs) hates me and you're just looking in the eyes of your friend on stage and you can you're just like you're thinking the same thing but sometimes it's funny like sometimes (laughs) it's really funny you're like doing your show that you love and nobody is laughing and you just look at your partner and like, <laughs> how did we get here? Like, what are we, How are we here? <laughs> what are we doing with our lives? 
It's ridiculous. <laughs> Not everybody is everybody's cup of tea. No. No, I think that's – and that's one of the things about – festivals particularly things like Adelaide it's such a mixed bag and some people genuinely don't know what they're walking into so yeah. it's it's a higher probability that, um, that that'll happen it is especially uh, in Adelaide mm. like even more so than Edinburgh or somewhere I mm. feel because I feel like in Edinburgh everyone has heard of Edinburgh everyone sort of knows yeah, it's like they're expecting anything. Yeah. I mean, we've, you know, we've obviously, of course, we've had dodgy shows in Edinburgh, but I don't know, Adelaide. I f- and also Edinburgh is really like it is built for unknown acts as well. Mm. Like it's a really big part of it and you can do really well as an unknown act in a venue that's, you know, covered Off in poo. Like yeah. you, you can. So people don't necessarily like judge it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridge I, I'm going to get it wrong in terms of like the origin story, but I definitely remember her telling an anecdote about how she was performing Fleabag in its first run and it was in this pokey little theatre off the beaten track and she's like, there is one person here. Mm. Yeah, but you, you know, yeah, people are also kind of really up for those experiences. Some of the best shows I've seen in Edinburgh, I was with only, you know, one or two other people in the audience. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the second part of this wonderful submission is, by the same token, what are the best memories you have on stage together? That's cute. So that is cute. Thank you for that question, whoever sent that in. There are so many. New Zealand Fringe Festival springs to mind. We did that, I think that was in 2018, and we had never been there before, and we were, you know, super nervous going to a new country to perform. And it, we just sold out every night and we're in this amazing theatre, the Bats Theatre. It's so, it's such a gorgeous space. And we had quite a bit of, like, uh, I have a sketch from a creepy little boy. Oh, and God, I'm yes, asking no, you the do co- yeah, yeah, he's yeah, in there. He yeah. made an appearance in Meet the Mullets. He, and, uh, he let did me tell you, It was a Halloween <laughs> episode and it's great because now Halloween's, but oh my gosh, your mum must be having oh, yeah. the best time right now, except lockdown. Uh, yeah, she's in Queensland. So, mm. but yes, yes, no, probably not a lot of Halloween happening. But yeah, so that character asked the audience questions, which kind of like built up what the sketch would be. So it was different every night, and just every single night in New Zealand, people were just saying the weirdest, funniest. <laughs> and we'd just been in Adelaide, where everybody, you know, they'd be like, oh, "Pencil." Um, <laughs> shop and it was like okay <laughs> no offense no offense Adelaide we love you but yeah oh shame Adelaide um. was trying to be like that let me give them something that they can easily work with what is a common object pencil there you go whereas yeah. it's like, no 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 please go weird please please go weird yeah so that was pretty amazing Woodford the first time we ever did a full oh no the second time we ever did our full length show was at Woodford Folk Festival and we renovated a van and we performed in that van and it just because we were like outdoors on the street people would just walk past and stay for the whole time and it was just so much fun oh my gosh I missed that festival so much it'll be back you can't kill the vibe of Woodford like it'll be back yeah I know and then I would say the other one that springs to mind is our Melbourne Fringe. We had a new show. It We made it by ourselves in Brisbane and then we brought it to Kimberley in Melbourne. 
And she was like, oh, no, we have to change. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we oh no. Show. Uh, we've got two days. So <laughs> we opened like two days later and we we're all like, oh, no, what's the show again? <laughs> and it was a total mess. And then the fact that it was such a mess became the show. So every night <laughs> it was just like we'd be forgetting props and losing costumes and just like it was so chaotic but it was so much fun and it just went off and then we ended up winning the best comedy award for that show and we were like oh my god what (laughs) and so then we kind of went back and worked a lot of that stuff into the show Mm. and then toured it and yeah but just like actually kind of creating that show with the audience and keeping things that happened because the audience found it funny and stuff was just such a cool thing. That's so cool. Which was this show, is this show currently like available for people to look at on YouTube? No, no, we don't have our shows on YouTube. But it's called some of it. Toupee and we do we? So, well, (laughs) you've got the the lollipop ladies and because it was on just for last, you've got got the um, the change room one as well, like the the yoga change room. So that's Yes. Yeah, they they are from that show too. Mm. Yes, so yeah, so that all it's quite different than when it was in that festival. <laughs> but yeah, that was the very beginnings of of all of those. Yes, they mm. are on YouTube. I forget. Oh, well, I mean, you guys are so busy like making things. I, I don't. I'm not surprised that you're like we made this thing. Where did we put it? Yeah. <laughs> thank you you so so much for chatting with me and for answering all of the lovely questions that people have sent through was there anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrapped up was there anything about meet the mullets that um, has been near and dear to your heart that you wanted to share or anything like that I don't think so I think we pretty much covered it all but yeah I spread like butter Yeah, I'd love to know what people think of it because it was so much fun to make Mm. and now it's just on the internet, which is so weird. It's alive. Your baby's out there in the world (laughs) doing a thing. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm like, but I want to hear people watching it. Mm. Yeah, I want to hear the laughter, please. So (laughs) if if you watch Meet the Mullets, if you could just, like, record that and then send that voice note to the Travelling Sisters either via email or via Instagram. Yeah, Instagram, Facebook. We've been in stage four for, like, what, two months or two years now. So, yeah. You're just going to have to sync it up or, like, listen really hard because otherwise it's just going to be, like, disembodied laughter. I'm all just, about that. That's great. We get to save the real creepy messages. <laughs> oh, God, I almost want you to make a show Do about it. that. Just like disembodied laughter the whole time. Like no one can tell what the joke is. The whole time. Mm, just random I, laughing. And you're like, oh. I think you should make that show. I Yeah, look, I think that that, I will take ownership of that idea. Um, <laughs> That's yours. It's mine. I'll write that down. It's it's my baby. I should give birth to it, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And to round out the show, uh, what would you do if you knew 10,000 people would do the same? I stump everyone Um, with this. It's just one of those, like... mm. It's quite serious, I guess, the first thing that comes to mind, but that's okay. We can finish on a serious? serious note. But, yeah, I would, you know, once... 
COVID lifts or if there was some miracle, I think we just need 10,000 or more people to go to parliament and demand that that they um, release refugees from Mm. detention into the community. Yeah. I just think just more people need to be really, really vocal about that. So that's what I would do. Yeah. It's it's one of those situations where I'm not going to say that I have all the answers or that I'm even like in full possession of the facts, but it doesn't take much digging to realize that I, I'm very uncomfortable with the current situation. So I'm like, I don't know what I want, yeah. but it's not that. I don't know what the it's- solution is, but it's not holding people on an island and sometimes just in an apartment building in Kangaroo Point indefinitely. Yeah, or there's up the road from me as well oh, in the wow. Mantra Hotel in Preston. Yeah. Yay. That's so yeah, that's a big that's a big one. Mm. I mean, you you are very welcome to follow it up with a lighthearted one as well cuz there's, you know, three traveling okay, sisters. Cool. You're allowed to have two more. <laughs> Um, good. Okay. So to finish it off, something that I would do if I knew 10,000 other people you can be Lucy also going to do it is go, I don't have a front lawn, so I'll dance on the nature strip outside my apartment building, mm-hmm. but yeah, dancing in just whatever, whatever makes everybody feel really good. Dancing in the and street, but responsible. Yeah. Dancing in the street or on front lawns. Mm. <laughs> Which could happen now because we would be allowed to do that. So let's mm. do it. Brunswick, <laughs> Brunswick East Entertainment Festival. I like let's that. Put it globally. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. It's a global festival, but because everyone has a cell phone, that's why it's global. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you again for your time. And what what can I do to plug you and your wonderful trio? Where can we find you? Where can we send the love? So our website is thetravelingsisters.com. Our web series is on there. Otherwise, if you just type Meet the Mullets into YouTube, then it should come up there as well. Beautiful. And was there anything else that you guys... Oh, dare I ask? It's difficult because, like, the world has been cancelled. Joy has been cancelled until further notice. Happiness is TBA. <laughs> Yeah. Is there any other way that we could support you apart from, you know, just hitting that like, subscribe, follow button? Yeah, we just really like hearing from people. That's probably the nicest thing. It's just really nice, you know, to chat to people on Facebook, Instagram or YouTube or whatever. So, yeah. Okay, so just just send some love letters, guys. Just like, (laughs) dear travelling sisters, I laugh very hard when they ask the potato what the the weather was like in Paris. That's my my (laughs) favourite. Is that a spoiler? That was a spoiler. I think it's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, thanks oh, for having me, Paula. Of course. Actually, Paula from the future here, back again, letting you know that, uh, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, there is one other thing that you can do to support Laura. You can go and see her show, The Pageant, which she's doing with Patrick Dwyer. It's going to be on for two nights only at Comedy Republic in Melbourne on August 27th and 28th. The tickets are only 26 bucks, including fees and handling charges. So I don't know why you haven't booked your tickets already. It's had great reviews. I imagine it will have great wigs. So head to the link in the show notes to book your tickets now.
Thank you all for listening. Thanks as always to Zane at That's Not Canon Productions for producing the show. Graphics are by Claudia Piggott, music by Jessica Fletcher. If you stumbled upon us, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find us and it makes me really happy. You can find us on Instagram at StumbleThroughPod and Facebook as StumbleThroughPodcast. Until next time, do your best and take care of each other. Chat soon. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.